Вітаю вас, любі радіослухачі, на нашій передачі «Наш голос. Радіо Українського коріння», яке передається на хвилі CHLY 101.7 FM у місті Нанайму. При мікрофоні Оксана. Hello there and welcome to наш голос Ukrainian Roots Radio. Coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful Nanaimo. I'm Oksana and Polina will join me as well. We'll be with you for the next two hours. In the show, a book review, interviews with interesting people who will update us on the war in Ukraine and how you can help innocent people there. Other items on interest and, of course, Ukrainian music. Stay with us next two hours. different events on Vancouver Island that was connected with uh, Ukrainian communities, were involved Ukrainians, involved Canadians, uh, several fundraising, piano concert in Timley uh, Music in Langford, uh, also Ukrainian-Polish great concert in Polish Cultural Center, uh, also meetings, art therapy, with Yara Porozhok, who is our uh, kindergarten teacher, art teacher, and psychologist, psychotherapist. And a big, big event is a four-day training, the Ukrainian crisis response planned by the Vancouver Island Counseling Center for Immigrants and Refugees. We call this Vicar. Uh, what is Vicar? The Vancouver Island Counseling Counseling Center for Immigrants and Refugees was founded in 2015 to meet the many mental health needs of traumatized refugees who had to escape their countries due to wars or persecutions and immigrants who find themselves far from familiar support of their homeland. Vicar is unique in our team approach and our group of psychotherapeutic prof- professionals are um, extensively trained in trauma counseling. Vicar provides 
and use interpreters trained in the clinical counselor model uh, and professional consul consultations are co confidential and culturally sensitive. As we watch the horrifying events in Ukraine unfold, at Vicar we are also preparing to provide support to all victims of the war who decided to settle in Vancouver on the Vancouver Island. And uh, as we don't know yet number of traumatized newcomers who may need our assistance, we decided as Ukrainians and Canadians, we decided to take this training, this very intense, very, very interesting, very helpful training. There were three Ukrainians, two of them are trained students in psychotherapy and social workers. Some, some people already worked with veterans, uh, some people worked with Syrian refugees and um, they shown great interest to Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian mentality to make them easy to understand people who will come from from Ukraine. I took uh, these courses too and uh, I became an ambassador for Vicar. I'm so proud to be part of this team. I got a lot of knowledge. Uh, in order to adequately serve such large numbers, Vicar is developing a multi-layered approach. Vicar working closely with Ukrainian community groups as Ukrainian Orthodox Church, Ukrainian Catholic Church, Ukrainian Cultural Center, and uh, different communities in Vancouver Island to support both local population and the new immigrants who will soon be arriving to Canada. In uh, preparation, Vicar has recruited Ukrainian-speaking counselors, practicum students, interpreters, and volunteers.
In addition, Vicar creates health and cultural ambassador projects that will serve as community-based mental health program. This HCA program is based upon a community mental health model developed by Doctors Without Borders. It was piloted by Andrew Carter in Kosovo in 1999-2000. Andrew themselves escaped Hungarian war. She came, she was in barricades when she was a young child. She personally knew what is, what is war. She saw many tragic things and uh, she works too hard here in Canada and different country, countries to help people be on their feet. As a community-based program, this model trains volunteers to assess and offer initial mental health and psychoeducational support to members of their own communities. As emergency medical humanitarian organization, the bulk of the programs were delivered by MF. MSF in the Doctors Without Borders, Medicine Sans Frontières, in acute or chronic settings of mass conflict. A situation of mass violence, such as the happening presently in Ukraine, is characterized by events that impact a great number of people uh, who have experienced witnesses of heard of dramatic events. Often there is significant material damage, destruction of social fabric and functioning of communities. Given the unique and critical needs currently facing in Ukrainian communities, Vicar has moved to adapt Doctors Without Borders' very successful mental health model to be implemented on Vancouver Island. It is our hope that this program will help us to tap into our incredible community resources to meet an unprecedented influx of traumatized newcomers without official refugee status. As a pilot project, this program will provide valuable opportunities for research, program assessment and development. As community-based organization, it is Vickers hope to continue building innovative community partnership and initiatives. We look forward to exploring the expansion of these opportunities. So my name is Abir. I'm originally from Jordan, Middle East, and I'm here in Canada since three years. Um, what I want to tell the Ukrainian community coming to Canada that we will welcome you always. You will hopefully find a safe haven here and somebody who can actually support you, give you the home you're looking for. Maybe we cannot compensate of what you actually lost, but um, but we will always try our best to accommodate whatever you need uh, with, the, with, the, with the resources that we have. I hope, like, um, God bless your families. I hope that um, you will find the the right path and everybody will be protected and find a safe haven you know once they leave Ukraine our hearts goes with you definitely and with everybody who's suffering from the same situation um, God bless you all uh, right now I finished a four days course for Vancouver Island Counseling Center for Immigrants and Refugees 
and it was for me big opening and took me f- to another world world where I can help people really help not only I wish to help now I know what to do and the amazing lady Andrian she was my instructor she did so amazing job maybe I knew a little bit uh, about all mental problem but now I can recognize more of that and I feel very encouraged and now I would like to give this microphone to Andrian her story is such amazing and can encourage newcomers uh, for their new life here in Canada. My name is Adrian Carter and I'm the Director of Services for the Vancouver Island Counseling Center for Immigrants and Refugees. This is an organization that serves all immigrants and refugees coming from many different countries with mental health services. Uh, We have now seen clients from, I believe, 78 different countries coming from all over Africa, the Middle East, Asia, Europe. So um, we have just finished, as Oksana was saying, an, an amazing new program in order, this is a, a crisis service for the Ukrainian newcomers. Usually when refugees arrive to, to Canada, they arrive in smaller numbers. The number of Ukrainian newcomers will be arriving in very large numbers. So it, it will be difficult for our registered clinical counselors to, to provide clinical services to, to the many people who will be seeking these services. So because of this, we, we have a crisis response of the health and cultural ambassadors. This would be a first stage response to the newcomers and, uh, these w- are volunteers. We we have about 25 newly trained, amazing volunteers who would be the first stage of service to, to the newcomers. They would be able to uh, speak to the newcomers and uh, offer supportive counseling services, offer psychoeducation, And if and when they need uh, additional services, they are able to refer these newcomers for clinical counseling. For those who who may be suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder or clinical depression or other serious trauma-related issues, we also have a psychiatrist who would be able to see the person and if and when needed, prescribe medication. So Oksana is part of this this new team, and the training for them is finished, and now we are uh, planning as to where and how they are going to be working. Um, People that are needing our services can be referred um, to our organization and then we can direct them first to the ambassadors and if needed to our clinical counselors. Now just a little bit about uh, how Vicar was formed. We have started Vicar uh, in 2015 
because there were many, many refugee and immigrant clients who have, many of them have experienced trauma and torture. And because they did not speak the English language, they had great difficulties in uh, in obtaining mental health services. Even now for Canadians, mental health services are very difficult to get and there are very, very long wait lists. So the people who did not speak the language often didn't have the courage to reach out to the regular services. So because of that, we have formed uh, our organization back seven years ago, and we had no money to start. So we have started on an absolute shoestring, and all of our um, counselors and interpreters have worked free of charge for the first four years. They worked completely voluntarily. And that was the time in 2019 when we got our first grant and was able to pay our counselors. But financially, it has truly been a struggle. But by now, we have about 22 registered clinical counselors and about the same number of interpreters. So whenever a client comes to us, um, and need counseling services, they are assigned to a counselor and to an interpreter. So they are able to do the work in their own language. Um, from a personal uh, perspective, I really do understand what newcomers and refugees are facing in Canada in having to start a new life. Because way back in 1956, when there was a revolution in Hungary, my family and I also had to escape. We were in refugee camps, and Canada accepted us, and we went through all the stages of being newcomers. Except at that time, there were no counseling services offered, especially because I did not speak the language initially. So I knew what the need was, but the need wasn't satisfied at those times. So for this reason, um, it was imperative that we set up an organization that can serve these newcomers who do not speak the language. That's, uh, your story is very inspiring, and it means... Um, you clear understand what was to how to be in war zone, how to be under fighting. Uh, because what about me when I talk with Ukrainians now, I often, very often heard you are sitting in other country in a quite calm place. Uh, you don't understand how to be when strikes, when bomb falls. Um, that you cannot understand us, but you, you can. So that's, um, we'll, I learned from you how to understand the people. Also, I learned from, because I visit um, online some therapeutic sessions with displaced people, and I listen their stories, and now I change my mind about some issues, what I heard from people who invited uh, relatives here, for example, 
and also uh, from another side, from people who are displaced, Ukrainians displaced, and uh, who are now staying in Poland, Germany, how would they feel about uh, the great offer that they got from local Polish or German or um, Greek people and their problem, they're very thankful and they have problem to express this thankful. So now we make, we know how to make bridge uh, between two society, like Canadian society and Ukrainian newcomers, how to make them understand each other and uh, do step by step just towards to each other. Well, you are absolutely right in saying that um, what people are experiencing right now in Ukraine is extremely traumatic, and they are just trying to survive right now. And the countries uh, around Poland and other European countries were extremely welcoming, which is a big help. But the people who uh, are displaced, they are just trying right now to stay alive, and life is very difficult for them. And then they go from Poland, and they come to Canada again, another new language and new culture. And, and people here are offering also a lot of help but often the Canadian host may not be understanding what is it like to escape from such a traumatizing place where you, you may have been sheltering in a basement for several weeks because bombs are falling all around you, where you may have lost part of your family or your neighbors, where you see people being dead on the streets and their bodies haven't been removed, and the constant fear that you may be experiencing. It affects the brain and the mind very much, and it takes quite a bit of time, no matter how resilient people are. And the Ukrainian people are generally very resilient. But it does take some time in order to calm the nerves and to realize that you are safe right now. And if if these people can get some assistance, some therapy, uh, some ways of supporting, they are going to be okay. But initially, it is very hard. And it isn't just hard for the adults. It is very difficult on the children. So you may find that the children have regressive behavior, they may start wetting the bed again, they may suck their thumb, they may, may have tantrums, or they may totally isolate and not wanting to talk to anybody. These are signs of trauma, which under the circumstances is very normal with what these children have experienced. And it needs very patient care in order for the kids to start functioning properly again. Schools will have a difficult time with the newly arriving children. So again, having some therapy, having some groups for the children and groups for the parents uh, will be very helpful to allow people to process and talk about these traumas. 
and know that their behaviors that they are exhibiting are very normal behavior under the circumstances. They won't feel like this all the time, but right now they need some peace and quiet and understanding. And I hope they will find it when they get here. The host families will also need some help in order to understand what what their charges are going uh, going through and to be able to have the patience necessary for people to settle in and start a new life and slowly learn the language. In about a year's time, they, they will be fine and they will be able to work, but take some time initially and just find some peace. Summer is coming. Spring is here. Summer is coming. Taking some walks, enjoying nature, just some quiet activities just to calm the brain would be very helpful. And remember, help is available. Let us know if you need some help. And our newly um, prepared health and cultural ambassadors will be able to visit the people, will be working in many different places, and, and they will start to provide the help that is needed. Wishing the best to every newcomer to Canada. Thank you, Andrea. It was amazing explanation for for our listeners. And if you want to contact Andrea or me, um, you can find Vicar V I C C I R. That's located in Victoria, and also Nash Hollis uh, Facebook page or uh, website, and also personally me, Oksana Pobereznik. Thank you. Ви слухаєте наш голос Радіо Українського коріння, котре подається вам на хвилі CHLY 101.7 FM у місті Нанайму. І з вами Оксана і Павліна. You're listening to Dash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo with your hosts Oksana and me Pavlina. My name is Anna Pavon. I'm a counselor and advocate working with Vancouver Island Counseling Center for Immigrants and Refugees. And we have been delivering a training during four, an intense four days training for the health and cultural ambassadors. This program was designed during the the summertime, uh, we were thinking about the possibility to address communities and enhance the capacity of different communities of refugees, immigrants, to raise their 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 ability and their knowledge in regarding mental health issues. We want to enhance the, the to help to enhance the well being of the communities and also learn from 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 them about culturally appropriate interventions and through through the situation i mean after the situation in ukraine started we realized that well maybe this is the moment is the time to put in motion this this training so we were looking for different health ambassadors people who belong to the ukrainian community or other communities in the island who want to support the ukrainians uh, coming to coming to the island and work to somehow 
increase their their resilience and well-being perception once they come. We know that the situation is really difficult, and this connection, this um, this connection with people who know where they are, what they are suffering and experiencing right now, and who can help them to sort out certain uh, aspects uh, regarding. Mat- practical things of life would be really, really important. This wraparound, this this welcoming, the warmth. So the different um, aspects of the program uh, include mostly mental health, mm, m- uh, mental health psychoeducation. We hope we will be able to work with groups, different groups for moms, uh, kids. And we will see because really we we need to learn about the population in order to respond better to their needs. And today mm, we finished. It has been a full, full four. <laughs> we experienced full four days, and we really encourage everybody here uh, belonging to the Ukrainian community. Or people who are receiving hosts. We know that also those who are going to host. Uh, these these um, people who are going to be coming, they may need to to understand a little bit what's happening, how they may respond and react, and be ready also to to understand certain certain responses. So, I really encourage you if you if you know of someone who is coming from Ukraine to facilitate them our contact information. I really encourage you also, if you want to cooperate and collaborate, reach out to us. We we will be really grateful if we can find more translators, people who can speak Ukrainian and can help once these different groups start because language is always is a barrier. And our organization, Vancouver Island Counseling Center for Immigrants and Refugees, is committed to eliminate barriers for accessing Mental health, emotional health. This is what I can tell you right now. And thank you, all of you who are listening and trying to do your best to to support and help those who are suffering. Not just the Ukrainian community, many others, but yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is Yara Pirzhok, and I am... Um, ECE, it's early childhood educator, infant toddler and special need educator, as well as a professional art therapist here in Victoria. And I'm own and operate uh, a local daycare. We provide the regular services for the kids, with kids with the special needs, as well as uh, the kids um, or refugees coming right now from Ukraine. And we received so many uh, requests recently uh, from families arriving from Ukraine um, to be able to accept their kids in our program because the families are interested in providing um, the services um, in their native language, and that is really important for the settlement. Also, daycare services is a huge problem in our area because um, there are not a lot of opportunities to enroll the kids right now. And it's also the um, uh, the part of the successful integration because if parents have the work, uh, they need to, to um, have an opportunity to enroll their child in a daycare. 
So right now, uh, because of my qualification and um, opportunity to work with the variety of uh, families, we have a great demand to expand our services and provide uh, the care for more people and for more Ukrainian families. And we are desperately need to expand our space. So we would like to um, ask the government for the help to provide us with specific services um, and uh, funding to be able to uh, operate our program for um, for bigger groups uh, in our Victoria. Uh, tell me please more about your art program. Uh, because I heard you uh, created art program for newcomers art therapy and uh, it's probably the most powerful tool to to help people to adap for adaptation it's true yeah for sure so um because uh the art therapy program is a great help um to um for the newcomers for for the refugees families we're trying our best to provide more hours uh for those families right now but uh because of the space limitation uh, we cannot accept more than um, we are allowed that is why right now uh, we have our um, temporary decision we expand the hours of operation providing the additional hours of services for the newcomer kids So we work with the refugees' families in after-school care hours, providing the art therapy services for their kids, and if it's needed for the families, for the whole families and for adults. So there are two different groups that are working right now, in addition to our daycare services. So it's in a great demand as well, and we... Um, created our weekend groups for the adults. Uh, we ran it right now. We started them this month and we hope to expand our capacity in the near future. And we also ran the additional hours for with the art therapy program for the kids during the weekdays in the afternoon. So this is a great opportunity for the kids to train their um, skills, uh, to communicate with the same uh, kids in the school, um, to learn new things. And of course, the main purpose of art therapy is to work with the uh, post-traumatic um, disorder uh, or to help to prevent this disorder to develop in the future. And we are working with uh, different issues uh, like um, um, mood means uh, upset, um, not being able to concentrate, uh, follow the instructions or um, different other things. So our therapy is a gentle intervention, is very helpful. And the main thing, it's a unique language. The art is a unique language that is uh, possible to um, use in any age, uh, in any nationality, with anyone, uh, and it's really helpful and powerful. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for your great work. I know you're volunteering too much for Ukrainian community and for newcomers, for Ukrainians, displaced people. You provide uh, free sessions. And also we ask for community support for Yara, And Yara is, uh, Yara's kindergarten is located in Victoria, and probably it's space not allowed to have many kids as as parents want. Uh, yes, it will be great if we find 
better place, bigger place. And uh, we also all want your support. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Anastasia. Um, I came to Canada two years ago. I finished Kamosim College in here, and now I'm working in property management company. And I just want to share my experience about uh, settlement of Ukrainian refugees who fled the war in Ukraine. So a lot of Canadians are hosting these families now in their homes or apartments. And it could be hard to understand the person with their experience, uh, the, for the person who fled the war, because in Canada we are living our usual life and it's not like that. So my advice for people who are hosting Ukrainian families, be prepared to something that you can't imagine could be happen. So these people could experience these people could experience uh, a lot of suffering. Uh, for example, they could miss their home. Uh, they could miss their family. They could like some women some women came to Canada with their children and their husbands are still in Ukraine uh, so they could like cry a lot for example or they could they could be stressful their children could uh, could be more emotional than usual or they could like okay um їх діти можуть поводитись не так як зазвичай вони можуть бути більш емоційними, вони можуть, а, вони можуть багато плакати, виридувати, капризувати, і з цим потрібно змиритися і допомогти, можливо, якось їх зацікавити, запропонувати зробити разом щось, якусь а, аплікацію, або відвести їх кудись на ігровий майданчик, де вони можуть поспілкуватися з іншими дітьми, тобто відволікти. І задача України канадців, які приймають у себе українців, це допомогти їм асимілюватися в цьому суспільстві. Це допомогти їм знайти друзів, знайти людей, з якими вони можуть поділитися своїм досвідом, досвідом втікання від війни. І допомогти їм знайти себе тут і знайти місце, де вони будуть почуватися комфортно. Можливо, запропонувати їм сходити разом до українського культурного центру або відвести їх на океан, просто послухати шум океану, заспокоїтися, або відвести їх на трейл, на хайк. Не боятися пропонувати свою допомогу і не боятися виказати свою підтримку їм.
On the line with me now is Amy Greenaway, curator of the Nanaimo Museum. And uh, she's here to tell us about an exhibit uh, that is currently showing there, uh, which might be of great interest to our listeners. Uh, During the First World War, Canada interned 8,579 men identified as enemy aliens, including mostly Ukrainian and German immigrants, and these included families in some uh, cases. This was a network of 24 camps across Canada. This latest special exhibition from the Canadian War Museum is called Enemy Aliens Internment in Canada, 1914 to 1920. It explores the internment operations and the experiences of the internees. So Amy is here to tell us a little bit more about the, uh, the exhibit. So welcome, Amy. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you. Now, this exhibit um, started in February, and it's here for a little while, so people still have time to check it out. What are they going to find when they come to the Nanaimo Museum? The exhibit, as you mentioned, is about the experiences of people who were deemed enemy aliens during the First World War and were interned. About 70% of those people were Ukrainian, and there were also people um, who were from Germany, who were part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and from other countries in Europe. So countries that people who were from countries that were at that time at war with the British Empire. In addition to the men who were interned, which is the the number that you mentioned earlier, approximately 8,600 people, mm-hmm. there were also 150 children and 80 women right. interned. So when people come to the museum, they will see a kind of a two-part exhibit, really. The first part is a traveling exhibit that was created by the Canadian War Museum in partnership with the Ukrainian-Canadian Civil Liberties Foundation. Mm -hmm. And we've added to that a section about the experiences of people who were interned in Nanaimo and people who were deemed enemy aliens, but weren't necessarily interned. Oh, that's interesting as a particular personal interest to me, because I think my great uncle might have ended up here in Nanaimo, but we don't know anything. I found out about this in a casual conversation with my dad. Um, You know, it just, he threw it away just, you know, when Uncle Harry went off to the camps and blah, blah. And I said, Dad, whoa, let's rewind here. What did you just say? And uh, he's, yeah, you said Uncle Harry went to the camps and he said, yeah, and they took him to Brandon and then he went to BC and he talked about how tall the trees were in BC. Uh, And, uh, you know, they homesteaded on a farm in Saskatchewan. And so that's all I know. Um, I did do some a little bit of digging, found out that he had been, um, there were some family archives that talked a little bit about how he came to Canada in 1914, wanted to be a trumpeter, joined the army and then was discharged. That's all I know. So where did you find the documentation of those that were here? Well, thank you for sharing. To start with, that's such a powerful story. And we hear that story Mm. time and time again here at the museum and Mm. come across it in our research. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why we come across stories like that, uh, where families say, we have this story within our family that, you know, this ancestor or this other family member were in turn, but we don't have any documentation and we'd like to learn more about it. And Mm -hmm. we're having a hard time doing that. And the reason for that, uh, well, there's a few reasons, but the main one is in 1954, the Canadian government destroyed many of its records connected to 
First World War internment operations, which right. you might have encountered. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so that obviously creates problems for family members who are trying to learn their story mm-hmm. um, because there aren't the government records to help fill in the blank. Right, right. Yeah. What we ended up doing, because in our exhibit here at the Nanaimo Museum, in the local section, it was really important to us because those personal stories are harder to come by because those documents aren't there. Mm -hmm. We still really wanted to tell the story of people because these are experiences that are happening in community and who are the people who Mm -hmm. were interned and what do we know about how that affected them? Mm -hmm. And we know that there was a family interned in the Nanaimo internment camp. A family. Was, there um, was a family here. A family. Wow. Yes. Wow. Frederick and Hilda Coase. Um, they were from. They lived in Victoria. Frederick Coase was from Germany. He emigrated here in 1906. He worked as a boat builder with his brother in Victoria. His wife was um, from England, so she was a a British subject. And their son Fred was born just a couple of months before the start of the war. And according to their family story, that when Hilda's husband, um, Frederick Coase, was interned, she made the difficult decision of going with him because she had this small baby that she needed to take care of. Mm. And so I, we can only imagine the, the duress that a person would be under to make a decision like that. Mm. Um, so she joined him in the internment camp in Nanaimo. Did they end up in Vernon after Nanaimo? They did. Okay. Yes, they did. So the internment camp in Nanaimo opened in September 1914. For people who are familiar with Nanaimo, it was in a former provincial jail building that was on Stewart Avenue. Okay. And Stewart Avenue is a very main roadway today. Right. And the camp was enclosed with a 14-foot wall. Um, logs, lumber, and heavy wire were around it. And one of the internees who escaped, uh, his name was John Wooler, he described the camps as, that camp specifically in Nanaimo, as unsanitary, poorly ventilated, crowded, and the food unfit for human consumption. Oh, dear. Wow. It's incredible. He also described how the guards mistreated internees and that there was a solitary confinement cell that was referred to as the black hole. Oh, wow. So that facility in Nanaimo operated for a year. It closed in September 1915, and the people who were in that camp were transferred to other facilities in BC, and quite a few of them ended up in Vernon, um, which had its own internment camp, and that's where the Coast family went. Right. Where did you find the the documentation, the information that you've that you've been able to add here in Nanaimo, the local addition to the exhibit? We have been working on research for the Nanaimo internment camp and the experiences of people in Nanaimo probably since 2015. So we've oh. been slowly piecing the information together from mm-hmm. all sorts of different sources. So um, with the internment camp, we know where it was located because there's a fire insurance map from the same time period in the Nanaimo archives. Oh. The experiences of the that I just mentioned that John Woolert described, that's from a newspaper article in Seattle. Oh. from um, around 1915. So 
all sorts of sources trying to piece together what we can of of the people who were there and what their experiences were. Wow, tedious work, and uh, it required a lot of digging. Thank you for doing that. What a fascinating story it must be. It is, and I think it's really interesting you know, to to see the human stories in yeah. this historical injustice. But I also have a lot of empathy for the families who are trying to research this topic and trying to learn more about how their families were affected and don't necessarily have the resources and experience in researching that the museum has to be able to undertake this on their own. So um, I can appreciate that it's a really daunting task for families to try and pull these stories together. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. So where is the museum located? The museum is located inside the Vancouver Island Conference Center on Commercial Street in downtown Nanaimo. And we're open Tuesday to Saturday from 10 till 4. Is there admission? Right now, admission is by donation. Oh, okay. Um, That's great. Um, So... The local angle you said you were you were piecing together all this information since since 2015. Obviously, working in co- uh, collaboration with the uh, Canadian First World War Internment Recognition Fund. That's uh, located in I think Winnipeg now. Yes, their website has so many incredible resources on it. I definitely recommend people who are wanting to learn more about this topic or who are wanting to do research on their own family's experiences. That is a place to take a look for sure. Okay. Okay, so um, one last question, Amy. Uh, do you see this as having any present-day relevance? The, we are seeing a war in Ukraine, and there will be refugees. The uh, Canadian government is offering to bring in refugees into Canada. Do you see that this uh, exhibit today can can help to prevent mistakes of the past being repeated? I mean, obviously, there won't be any, anybody in an internment camp, but you've got strange people, you know, strange, I mean, from a different culture coming into Canada in, in large mm-hmm. numbers, unexpectedly. And at that time, um, they were the, the culture was foreign. I mean, it's a little different now because, you know, we've had multiculturalism for quite a while, and, you know, people are a little more accustomed to having different cultures um, than they were 100 years ago. But uh, still, there is the kind of the shock factor of all this influx of new people. Do you do you see that, you know, the exhibit can make some positive changes? I hope so. One of the parts of the exhibit that I'm really hoping that people who visit take away from is that we've added a couple of discussion questions in there that we hope will get people reflecting on Mm -hmm. this, not just as a historic event, but as something that has implications today. And so the question is Mm -hmm. something like, do you think that internment could happen today in Canada? And those are really important questions for people to be having. Mm -hmm. One of the big misconceptions that I hear when I talk to people about First World War internment, number one, a lot of people in Canada aren't aware of this period of Canadian history. So that's one element to to know our history. But the other piece is that there is a a misconception that all of these events happen because of wartime fear and that because of that, they were justified. And that's not what the research shows. 
the research shows that in there, that certainly could have been an element of it. I'll be very clear that my experience has been in researching very specifically British Columbia and Nanaimo. So I can speak less to what was going on outside of British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do know is that in British Columbia, In 1915, so the year after the First World War started, William Bowser, who was the acting premier and attorney general, he was a very powerful voice for internment, and he ordered the BC Provincial Police in May of 1915 to arrest coal miners from Ladysmith and Nanaimo, approximately 115 of them, and have them interned. Very specifically targeted coal miners because he wanted to, and he made public announcements about this, he wanted to hire British miners in their places. So oh. there's a lot of a lot of layers happening to the story, and it's not as cut and dry as it might seem at first glance. Right, right. It, also, there was indentured, basically, slavery, like slave labor involved in, in, yes. the, inter, in forced, the internment. Forced labor, yeah. That's right, yeah. There's forced labor happening in the camps. That's uh, another element that the... Uh, exhibit looks at um, very specifically parts of forced labor camps that help build really well-known Canadian national parks Mm -hmm. like Banff and Revelstoke. So there's those pieces as well. So places that we, you know, might see as great sources of pride as Canadians, these beautiful natural locations, they were made accessible as parks by forced labor from First World War internment camps. Yeah, yeah. So lots of, of history at this exhibit then, and uh, surprises, I'm sure. Um, probably mostly unpleasant, but, you know, really good to know, thought-provoking, and um, look forward to seeing it myself. Uh, tell us again, Amy, where the museum is located and what the hours are. Yes, the museum is located in downtown Nanaimo on Commercial Street. We're in the Vancouver Island Conference Center, and we're open Tuesday to Saturday from 10 until 4 p.m. Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Amy. Uh, is there any um, anything else you'd like to uh, to mention that listeners should should know? There are two commemorative cairns in Nanaimo for the First World War internment. One of them is on the waterfront walkway right near where the Nanaimo internment camp was located. Mm -hmm. It was installed in 1997 and had a plaque added to it in 2014, which was marking the 100th uh, anniversary of the start of World War One and also of internment. And the same 2014 commemorative plaque was installed at St. Michael the Archangel Ukrainian Catholic Church in Nanaimo. Right. So if people aren't able to get to the museum before the exhibit closes or aren't in the area, uh, but they are visiting Nanaimo, those are two places that you could go and um, connect with this story. The exhibit is open until Saturday, May the 21st. Okay. And open from Tuesday to Saturday. And uh, information, um, if in case people weren't jotting this down, is there a website or some other um, some other way to reach you? Yes, our we have all the information about the exhibit and our hours at our website, which is nanaimomuseum.ca, and we also have social media posts about the history of First World War internment 
happening throughout the run of the exhibit. So you could oh, go great. see the museum on Facebook or on Twitter and learn a little bit more about First World War internment. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for sharing all this information. And I hope to see you at the museum uh, before May 21st. Yes, I hope so. It'll be great to meet in person. Okay, thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. Oksana Poparajnik will be back with Nash Holos after these messages. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you.